Hello and welcome to the Lost Heart Podcast. I'm Paul and I'm here with Gar. That's me. Today we are doing what we did last year. We always do a music of the rainbow for Pride. Um, uh. If you think that this is some sort of cash in, then you have to give us cash. Exactly. <laughs> <we> Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Lost Heart yeah. Podcast. If you think this is a cash in, you don't, uh, please tell me where the cash is coming from. Yeah, I'd exactly. love to know. Um, now, we, uh, we like to do this once a year. We like to shine our modest little spotlight on uh, music from the LGBTQA um, community. Because I was just an artist that we listen to. We're not going to be yes. going out of our way to be looking for things. It's, it's, it, would seem, it would seem disingenuous. It wouldn't seem real. These just, we just went through our list and go, okay. Um, Pretty much. Just, why do we do this? Like I said, just to shine a spotlight on this Friday week. We're not trying to, we're mm. not Coca-Cola. We're not rolling out the rainbow bottles. <laughs> fucking <laughs> Twitter fucking flotillas. So I remember seeing that at the last proper uh, parade. I was yeah. at, and there was a big Twitter board fucking in the colours. So what the fuck's that got to do with anything? It's painful watching the commercialisation of it, like. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's just for us. We're cynical bastards, though. Yeah, we're not part of the LGBTQIA community. Although apparently, a I have to get into this later. Actually, uh, I'm not going to before we start. Which one is a? Um, I get. I'm not going. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I got lost sometimes. Okay, I think that I this is what I was reading about this. A is either asexual or ally. Now, how the fuck is ally in there? That'd be me and you. That'd be me and you yeah. in there. Mm. Like. No, nah, not supposed it can't to be. be. It can't be given. <laughs> like, no, no. So it must be ace or asexual. I don't know. Um, we'll, get to, we'll get to that later anyway. All right. People that put ally in there, I mean, come on. There's, some, there's an element of pure infiltration. About yeah, that. that's like, a bit pandery well, now. I am just the same. Like, yeah. Really not. Well, like, I not agree really. with what you do and, you know, I don't hate it. So that's it's me in of, there yeah. as well. Like, that's, that's bullshit. No. No, it's not. It's not. You're not in there. So we'll just call it LGBTQ until later, where we have to go. Hey, we'll get into that later. Right. Um, who is your for? Yeah, like this is weird. Before we go into this, this is weird. Like I just I want people to know why we're doing this. We just do this every year. Pride is like, oh here they go, the pride thing. Yeah, this but, is our second one. We done one last year, as you said. Uh, yeah, it was received well. Like people went, that was great. So, and and, and let let's just call it what it is, right? We do different topics all the time, okay? And yeah. the fact that like we're doing a, like a, a Pride uh, kind of themed episode to me is the same that we do. We do a fucking Halloween one, we do a Christmas one. You know what I mean? Like these are all kind of calendar dates that are important for certain kind of subsects of humanity. And so, like, what's the fucking this harm is, in us this doing? This is just the music we listen to as well. Exactly. Narrow, like, narrowed down to... I didn't go to looking that. for it and I listened to all these things. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So so tell us who your first one is. Uh, my first one is Koki the Clown, a.k.a. Fat Mike from NoFX, uh, who put out a solo album. Put out a solo album under the guise of Koki the Clown, who is a clown who is... Uh, it's pretty much... It's pretty much his, just him. Like, he's not really putting it on too much... Uh, it's an alcoholic drug addict clown who I think came to light maybe at South by Southwest I think a couple of years ago and he got he was sealed into oblivion during the first Cokey the Clown uh, show because he, <laughs> he, came, he came out on stage with a big tray full of shot glasses and handed out shot glasses to everyone and it turned out it was his piss oh 
and everybody had been drinking his piss. They were just slamming in his piss. And he told them all, like, at the end of the gig, that it was his piss. So he was suing at the fucking oblivion. I don't know. He, I didn't, he was just, the minute he handed out, he just grabbed his guitar and started playing. And uh, <laughs> it didn't give them time to think didn't about it. Didn't give them time to think about it. They were like, oh, fat Mike. And then he told them all it was piss, and then he got sued. And he got, he got, they, they got like ninety nine point nine percent cancelled about two weeks after the fucking, the uh, country music shootings in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. Um, oh, right. Fat Mike put out a statement saying like, well, at least it was a country gig, and uh, there was fucking more. Oh, like, I don't, they didn't play, they very, didn't play in America. You see, I was right on top of it. Right on top of it, like. I mean, if you had to tell me that, like, when we're in my twenties, I'd be laughing my ass off. But yeah, yeah, uh, but he done it like a week it. later or something like that, and uh, just, <laughs> just forget. I don't think they played in America for like two years after that. Um, oh, they just went to Europe yeah. and played. Like, you know I, what? That 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 was. I guarantee you that was one of those hovering your finger over the send button things, and then getting that rush and going boom. Yeah. Send. What's gonna happen? Oh yeah, but yeah, like. Fat, on, on to God, like uh, I love no effects. Well, not all no effects, but I love loads of no effects. And Fat Mike, one hundred percent, is a full blown open book. He's one of the very few people that, like, when you read an interview with him or watch him being interviewed, he is just he's so open. Like they made a documentary called I think it's called Backstage Passport, where it's uh, they made two of them actually, and uh, which are like little mini series where they just follow no effects traveling the world playing, and the dude is a fucking lunatic, and he treats like. He treats drugs and alcohol the way me and you would treat like Mars bars and Skittles, where he'd Jesus. like go on an absolute batshit mad one for two weeks and then just like turn it around and be sober for six months. You know what I mean? He's like, no, we're, we're doing an album or we're going on tour or whatever the fuck it is. I'm going to be yeah, super clean. If you, can re- if you can reel it back in there, fair play. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's such a fucking, he's such a weird fucking cat. Like he, he, he seems to be like, honestly, like a decent human being. But he he's riddled with fucking demons. They put a book out called the Hepatitis Bathtub, um, which is the guys from NoFX being interviewed separately, kind of spilling all their secrets, and then they edited it together and printed it and put it as a book. And I'm dying to read it, and it's supposed to be fucking incredible, um, because Fat Mike considers himself part of the queer community. Um, he's a submissive crossdresser who has weekly sessions with a <laughs> with a, a trans dominatrix. And this has been something that he's done for fucking years, and he ended up having like a divorce. He divorced his first wife because um, when he first started wearing women's clothes um, out on stage and stuff like that, his wife started slagging him over it, and he had to try and explain. It was like, "This is what I want to wear all the time. Like, I like I don't feel comfortable in men's clothes. Like, I want to wear dresses and panties and bras, and I, like, I feel comfortable in it." And his wife was always slagging him over it, so he ended up getting divorced, and he got remarried again like two years later. And uh, his wife was very fucking uh, supportive of him to the point where they opened up like a sex dungeon. And now they have, um, they, they write journals about all the sex stuff that they got up to and record it. And I think they're planning on putting it out on the internet and everything. So, record fa- the stories or record the They record them riding and the people that they bring in for riding and all this kind of stuff. And put out on the internet. I think that that might be the plan eventually. He's, as I said, he's very much an open book. He doesn't keep anything kind of locked away. Um, He did struggle with the idea of kind of coming out um, as a crossdresser for a long, long time. Um, The band knew about it. They didn't give a shit. The band were like, whatever, man. Like, we're in no effects, honest to God. Like, no one cares. 
You go out dressed as Barney the Dinosaur, no one's going to give a shit. If you come out wearing a fucking, like, pleather skirt, they're not going to blink an eyeball at it. And they just play the songs everybody likes and everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, but he's always been, like, a big, big kind of champion of the LGBTQ plus community and a real feminist to the point where, like, when they wanted to bring... They start kind of working more keyboards and organs and stuff like that into the band. That he was, he was adamant. He was like, oh, no, "It has to be a girl." Like, there's too many fucking lads in this band as it is. You know what I mean? But we're the original band. I can't start kicking people out <clears throat> to bring in women. So, like, if we ever deal with, like, we're gonna bring a girl in. So we brought, they brought in, brought in a female keyboard player who's actually a full blown member of the band now. Not just like goes on tour with them whenever. Like, she's in the yeah, fucking yeah. band. Um, <clears throat> he always went out of his way to try and hunt down kind of female-led punk bands because he, he as we, we talked about on the podcast before he's got um he has a uh, one of the biggest kind of independent record labels in the world called fat wreck records fat records and um he got always gonna have his way to kind of try and find kind of uh, female orientated bands and like he's, he's always being heavily invested in that end of things you know it just seems like a mess of a human but in his core a decent kind of fucking dude you know, yeah. and uh, I, I was when he first came out as a, as, as a crossdresser, I found it very interesting because there was a lot of lyrics, a lot of lyrics that kind of not necessarily gave him away, but now make sense. And I, I know we talked about it on the first one of these a year ago. We talked about it against me, and there was an awful lot of that as well with against me, where like the first couple of albums, there was lyrics in there. I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? You know, and then eventually. They transition, you're like, ah, okay, right, so it's been, been bugging you your whole life, like, it's been bugging you your whole life that you're not getting mm. to live the way you want to live. And there's an awful lot of that with no effects. But with this Cokey the Clown stuff, a lot of the songs seem to be very much almost like entries in a diary where he just tells stories about what his, his upbringing was like and why, you know, he never got to kind of live as his real self. Now, the Cokey the Clown thing, I think, is in between uh, Fat Mike being kind of punk rock fat mike and fat, fat mike being cross-dressing fat mike so i think the Koki the clown thing might have been like uh, his gateway into kind of getting to dress and live the way he wanted to live i'm gonna play a tiny mm. little bit of this uh, Koki yeah. the clown thing it's not spectacular i'm not gonna lie to you it's really not it's interesting to hear someone kind of spill their guts but it's not it's not gonna blow blow anybody's minds old women's shoes and travel nine months a year when he left my mom in 71, I didn't shed one tear. He was a man who married a teenage girl when he was 39. A man like that doesn't want a wife, he wants a concubine. He moved her to Boston away from her friends and family. He isolated her, so in turn, she isolated me. She went to bars house parties and left her infant all alone she joked that it was all right cause in my crib she left the receiver of the phone he was a shithead father like as I said a lot like Koki the clown stuff is just grim, it? yeah it's mad grim it's super grim like when he That's does the grim. Like does the cokey, the clown kind of things. He tells stories in between the songs and stuff like that. So that's what, as I said, I'm really interested in the the book they put out, the Hepatitis Bathtub and other stories. It's called because apparently it goes through the process of him kind of telling the band that he like he doesn't want to like he felt like wearing men's clothes was dressing up for him. Like he was going out of his way yeah, yeah. 
to, to, to do this when he, he just didn't want to. Like, he wanted to wear women's clothes. And uh, the kind of band's reaction and stuff like that too. It was very interesting. I always wanted to read it. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order it from uh, one of the bookshops in, in a couple of weeks because it's, uh, especially after doing a little bit of research for this, I'm like, this sounds really fucking interesting and I want to I hear about it. Anyway, that's my first one. It's Fat Mike, a.k.a. Koki the Clown. The song is called Punk Rock Save My Life. Uh, it turns into kind of a punk rock song and then it goes into more carnival stuff. And it's, yeah. he talks about how, it, how it's... It sounds like a fucking. Uh, it sounds like a stupid fucking term that's been overplayed. But it's talking about like he, if he didn't start no effects the band, he absolutely like would have killed himself one hundred percent because of the shit mm. that happened to him as a child. And uh, interesting. Anyway, who was your first one? Yeah. My first one is Perfume Genius and the song Jason. So Perfume Genius is the one man project from Michael Alden Hadris. Uh, who set up a little MySpace page in 2008 under the name just Perfume Genius. Just starts the little MySpace page and years later becomes like sort of, I wouldn't say a superstar, but he's definitely just one of my favourite artists in the last, mm. I'd say, 10 years. He's just always got ideas. It's one of those people that never seems to be hanging on one idea for very long. Yeah, Every yeah. album is moving in a different direction. So... The name Perfume Genius comes from, I knew it was right. As soon as I heard the name Perfume Genius and I heard the music, I was like, I bet you that's based on that book or that movie, uh, Perfume, mm. The Story of a Murderer. That's, that movie's from 2016, sorry, 2006. Really, really love that film. And it's, it's not perfect. Fantastic. But I love that film. I absolutely love it. I just think it's, it got like kind of slated by a lot of reviews. I don't really see why. I, I, oh, Dustin Hoffman's obviously not a great casting choice yeah. he's brilliant and all that but this movie's fantastic and it's ben wishaw and stuff like that anyway i won't go too much into that just watch that film though um but perfume genius in 2014 released his third album too bright which is when i started hearing about him and it was co-produced by adrian utley uh of portishead mm. and that album absolutely exploded and he was playing on david letterman and stuff like that the song queen i heard first on, I think it was like suggested on Spotify or something like mm. that at the time and I was like okay I'll give this a listen and then that album Too Bright is fantastic there's another song on it called Long Pig mm. which is one of my favourite synthy kind of songs um, since then he's released two albums called No Shape and Set My Heart on Fire Immediately which is a fantastic name for an album it is um, <laughs> growing up as the only gay person in his class um, a lot of his lyrics deal with the struggle of that and Crohn's, which, Jesus yeah. Christ, I mean, Crohn's. Everything Real. I hear about Crohn's is just one of the most difficult things to live with. Yeah, uh, He sings songs about domestic violence as well. I picked Jason because it seems to recount the story of uh, like a one-night stand with someone who wasn't ready to embrace being gay yet. Yeah. You know, like a lot of gay people I know in for i've said this is like this uh, there's people like that look this is what they do look they you see them one night they, they're not really ready but yeah. they're ready to do it that yeah, night they're not really yeah, ready yeah. to do anything else like that and you see it in films all the time like there's yeah. a huge amount of rejection in it but um the lyrics of this song are absolutely brilliant so give it a, give it a, a quick go there because i absolutely love this song it's done in the style of like 60s psychedelic uh pop or something like that you'd hear my hear like Nancy Sinatra or something like that. I absolutely love it, boy. Jason undressed me Lying on his sheets 
clav is cool sound I like it's brilliant yeah it yeah, just has yeah. all the stuff that you want from that and then the next song there'll be nothing else like that particularly like that on the album you know, there's so many styles like I said he's always got so many ideas yeah, I just yeah. love when I know it perfume genius album comes out because you know it's going to be really dark and revealing yeah. in places and a little bit of fun in other places so yeah that's perfume genius i think obviously everyone should listen to him that's just me who's your next one my next one is pansy division um so pansy division were formed in san francisco in 1991 uh their aim was to be one of the first openly gay kind of punk rock bands that was right. the, the whole idea. They were, they were annoyed that they were living in like one of the gay capitals of Earth, San Francisco, and they, they were wanted to show people that it was not kind of house music and dance music. That there was people who were interested in punk and people who were interested in rock, but there wasn't a band out there that was made up of people like them. So they said, "Fuck it, let's just do it ourselves." So they decided to put it together, and they ended up getting signed to the same label as Green Day. Uh, Lookout Records and ended up touring all over the world with Green Day supporting like Dookie and stuff like that as well so mm-hmm. um, they were one of the big kind of breakout bands of the, the queer core movement that started in the 80s and the queer core movement was a lot of bands a lot of bands weren't even really real bands per se it's such an interesting thing it was almost an art movement that started with like zines so like homemade magazines that would be mailed out to people all over the world and eventually kind of by the by the mid 90s these zines turned into record labels and these record labels then start putting on festivals and you ended up with like these kind of kind of gay rock festivals being hosted in like europe and america and then these like traveling tours that would happen every couple of years where they'd get as many of the bands together as possible and just hit up as many states as possible and just kind of try and show the the, the, the kind of young audience that were gay that there were bands out there that like, mad, if you liked like, the rock music. Yeah, it's, it must be mad. Like, at that stage growing up, if you're gay, you're going to feel not quite like everyone else in your school. But then if you start hanging out with in gay communities who don't like rock you just have it all over again exactly same thing all over again you just have to you have to go to a club and sit there with music that you're not necessarily into it's just because it's part of the scene or or go to the rock scene where if people find out you're gay you're gonna fucking take a lot of shit exactly you know because i don't care what anyone says but the rock scene grunge scene on the 80s was not no it's still not fucking great like um so there there was a thing in like the, the late 80s early 90s where loads of uh, loads of the kind of punk bands like uh, MDC, Millions of Dead Cops and Seven Seconds and stuff, they started putting out even though they didn't have gay members they were kind of sympathetic to the gay cause so they started putting out songs kind of uh, complaining about uh, homophobic violence and shit like that you know and that kind yeah. of gave a lot of the, a lot of people who wanted to form bands a, a little bit of kind of the the, the, the the kick in the air, so to say uh, that like well if, if these bands I'm listening to that I like listening to are writing songs saying like fucking please stop fucking being scumbags towards us maybe it's time for us to start putting bands together but it's really as I said the scene is really complicated but also it's very kind of art driven so there's been Hmm. countless documentaries about like the kind of queer core movement Um, there's been countless books written about it like unimaginable amounts of zines that were kind of based around it as well, you know. Yeah. And then there was stuff like weird stuff started happening. Like uh, there was zines about like gay gamers that wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons and stuff start popping up 
out of yeah. this scene then as well. There was one based, I think, in Donegal here, um, where it was a bunch of uh, lesbians that like playing role-playing games, start making zines uh, and creating characters for like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, and playing mail order Dungeons and Dragons with other lesbians yeah. all over the world. Like, uh, and that was that was not necessarily part of the queer core movement, but the queer core movement in the fact that it was an entire scene that there wouldn't have been enough people that wanted to be involved in it for it to have like a main capital city, you know, like grunge had Seattle or whatever the fuck, you know, hardcore had New York, uh, indie had London, that type of thing, you know, it wasn't like that. So it had to be done like pre-internet, via magazines and stuff that were shipped out all over the world and it took years for everything to come it's together a, it's for a shame that they're not really as popular as they were what zines yeah zines are interesting i used to buy a lot of zines now this would have been in the early 2000s and a lot of the time you would buy zines because they would have they used to like born cds and they'd bought you like you could send in like a copy or demo to like you know a hardcore zine or a punk zine or whatever it was you'd send it in and they'd pick a song and throw it on their cover cd and a lot of times what they do is they just throw the mp3s on it so they could fit like a thousand songs from bands all over the world on the front of it so you'd buy a zine for like four quid and it'd be photocopied sometimes it'd be made really well like it would have yeah. proper like proper photography and proper gig reviews there's still one that runs out of ireland called riot 77 it's fantastic comes out maybe twice a year and uh, mm. half of it is like gig reviews that happen in Ireland. Half of it is interviews with like big kind of big musicians. Like it's 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 really really cool. Like it, the, the Zian subculture is definitely almost dead. You know the internet killed it. You know what That's I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was a big thing. And there's there's um, Dublin actually used to have one of the biggest Zine libraries in the world. Uh, it was in Temple Bar up until about fifteen years ago, and it was um. It was a load of rooms in Temple Bar, and they had zines from all over the world, dating back to like the sixties and seventies. And you could just go in. You could, I don't think you could take them out, but you could sit down and pull them out of folders and read them. Yeah. Um, so like zines were, especially in isolated parts of the world like Ireland, zines were a big deal for people to find um, things that interested them. And again, that's where the queer core movement. <coughs> that originally, it was called homo core. And they said that's not, not inclusive enough. We're just going to call it queer car, and that that'll fucking that'll cover all of us for the time yeah. being. And they ran with that. But Pansy Division were one of the bands that were kind of at the forefront of it. And because of the fact that like Green Day got so big, and Green Day were their mates, that they they absolutely shot to the fucking to the to the roof. Like to this day, like you go back and watch. I don't know, find like a rancid video from like 1993 There's probably someone wearing a Pansy Division t-shirt in there. You know what I mean? Like they, they, yeah. were, they were really, really big. I'm going to play a little bit of them here for you uh, just to give you an yeah. idea about what they sound like. This song is called Femme in a Black Leather Jacket. The way he moves has me inspired He's the boy that I require He's a femme in a black leather jacket He's a gem in a black leather jacket He's a femme he looks as good in a skirt as he does in jeans. He is the most notorious queen. 
like it's garbage let's not get it wrong right that's not good music at all no not at all <laughs> but it was they actually have better songs than that's just the biggest <laughs> fucking song they do have better songs they wanted to play than, sure it's important like, yeah. it's again it goes back to the whole fucking good over importance thing but like the fact of the matter is that these guys for a long time were the spearhead you know what I mean? They were yeah. the spearhead of this music. And I, I think the concept there was they weren't necessarily trying to be a, a punk band or anything like that. They were trying to be like an alternative rock band. It was what they wanted to be. You know what I mean? Um, because it was easier for punks to get into alternative rock than it was for alternative rock people to get into punk and, and so on and so forth. And again, the music jumps around an awful lot. There's, there's slower songs, there's faster songs, there's heavier songs. It's kind of all over yeah. the place. But the fact of the matter is that they were travelling around the world with Green Day and off the back of Dookie, one of the yeah, biggest punk albums of all big, time. That's big, yeah. It's a big deal. But anyway, that's Pansy Division. Um, super important band. Whether they were good or not, that's personal taste, really. Who was your yeah. next one? My next one is Placebo, which is sort of quite an obvious choice, but I just like to talk about Placebo, so I've used this as an opportunity to do so. Placebo. Uh, Placebo Placebo are an interesting one because they are a post-grunge American-English-Swedish alt-rock band that came out of London during the death of Britpop. That's a really... That's that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Yeah, they were like... The wrong band in the right place at the right time or the right band at the wrong... Whatever happened, it worked really, really well. Because when Elastica and Suede were blowing up from the ashes Mm. of Britpop... um, Like we mentioned before that the two albums that killed Britpop were in 1997. That's when Placebo came. The two albums that killed Britpop were Be Here Now by Oasis, which was The Coffin and OK Computer, which was The Lid and the Nails, to finish off the end of it. And Placebo... (laughs) have kind of more in common with Nirvana than they would Oasis. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, as a side note, it was legal to buy Nevermind in Ireland before it was legal to be gay. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah. That's really mad. That's crazy. So just, just as a side note there, uh, Placebo were interesting to everyone at the time because they had a straight guy, a bisexual guy, and a gay guy. Mm. Now, this didn't really matter. It mattered to a lot of people. Yeah, but it didn't really matter to me. Uh, I just heard Nancy Boy and went, "Jesus Christ, that's me such too. a good song." I lost my and mind, and it's still like, like it's just like even at the end of it when the, when it's it's like a, like a, a weird solo where he's just going, nah, 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 and then it breaks back into the song. I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Yeah. I hadn't heard anything quite like this. Now, like I said, I I don't know. I can't really put them like anything like that at the time. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven. Just hearing Nancy Boy, right? I was just like. I was <laughs> now. I know a lot of people that this was too much for. We're talking about a very, very camp, sarcastic, androgynous guy as the lead singer, a bass player who wears fishnet tops. Yeah. It's too much for a lot of my mates. Uh, and other mates thought it was a girl singing and were mad into her. And I had to. That's had me. An awkward, an awkward conversation. That's with me. Them. I remember sitting on a wall on the top of Hollybank Road in Drumcondra. And my mates were like, placebo with that Nancy boy song, unreal. And I remember sitting on the wall, swinging my legs, going, oh, that board is bleeding gorgeous. Yeah. Full on, Brian Malauco, I was fucking, like, thought Brian Malauco was gorgeous, because I thought it was bored. And they were like, that's a fella, <laughs> That was the end of that. I know. Back then, yeah. yeah. That, back then, that's the way it was. Like, when I told my mate about it, didn't really mention that. He loved that song. Mm. Didn't mention it much any after that. But that's, that's, that's what it was when we were that oh, age. yeah, yeah. I honestly sort of just nailed by looking as I yeah. and then 
reading about them not too long after that in like NME or Q magazine. And they are really, really interesting to read interviews about. They're super open about everything. Like they came out straight away and were like, gave us actual straight English lad playing drums. Uh, Now, since then, Brian Malkov has said of that time, he wished he'd kept quiet about sexuality Mm. because it just seemed to take over. And funny enough, it's sort of what we're doing right now, but we've talked mm. about placebo so much for every other reason. And we'll talk about them again because the next song we're about to play is one of the greatest songs ever written in the history of songs ever. And yeah, uh, but I get why he said that now. Um, we, we respect like you have to respect him saying that like, for his, like, I think for a time it was just in every interview, you know, in English. So you guys gay and stuff. And he's like, yeah. Ugh. Spouse. Is that gonna is that gonna set the tone for this fucking interview where we're yeah. talking about a song that I've just bled my heart to? Well, look, let's give this song a quick listen, just simply because everyone knows this song, but I will never, ever get bored of hearing this song. So I want to hear it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece, and I know this is gonna sound really awful, right? But they're so good that you forget there's anything to do with any sexuality involved. Oh yeah, and there's not, but there's not like involved. But what I'm saying is, growing up, it was a big deal. Yeah, for any band, like their sexuality, because of the way, not so much in Ireland, but England, like all the media we read in England, it was such a huge thing. The sexuality was put alongside their songs. It's it's part of their discography, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Placebo has a gay guy, a bisexual guy in the band, and clearly androgynous just doesn't really matter as soon as you start hearing one or two songs. Exactly. It never mattered. I honestly, genuinely never mattered to me anyway. What I'm saying is, they don't go on that. That's why I nearly forgot to put Placebo in a list like this. Yeah. I, you know I, mean? I, like, when I was putting this together, I was like, because they, they don't stand out to me like that. Yeah, at all. I know. But that's why. Yeah. I, that's why I put them in. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's just. And I'm not and saying. Other, yeah. I'm not saying the other artists in this ever are notable yes. because of their sexuality. It it's gone the opposite way. We've just 
these honestly are acts that we listen to we're coming in from the absolutely end, which, which ones do we listen to absolutely uh, into this kind of pride thing i'm sure uh it's not that interesting to them to talk about this actually exactly but we we are briefly but really it's about the music and that song i swear to god gives me just chills every time i hear that bit that bit of the song right there you know like yeah. i gave the ice cream without the the vegetables beforehand. <laughs> anyway, it didn't make people work for that build up. Straight to dessert. It just, yeah. just gave the build up there. Yeah. But yeah, look. Um, Placebo are a band with fantastic albums, yeah. fantastic cover versions, and they are amazing live. Yep. Amazing live band. So that's Placebo. They're more, all these bands are more than the reason we picked them. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. So here's your next one. My next one uh, would have been probably a big influence on Placebo, and it's uh, it's Bob Mould and Husker Dew. Yeah, definitely uh, super influential. Yeah, yeah Husker Dew were uh, one of the most influential bands on the kind of whole alt rock and grunge scene, like bands like Nirvana and Pixies and stuff like that. But most certainly wouldn't have have existed before, like without without Husker Dew's kind of input and uh, Bob Mould would have been one of the was the one of the main singers. There's two guys that kind of alternated, but mostly mostly it was Bob um, yeah. wrote most of the music. He wrote like they reckon fifty five to seventy percent of the music. There was kind of a a power struggle going on in the band, but um, super important that get talked about in kind of muso circles, but still aren't they're not on the. They're not on the shelf of like heavy hitters, you know what I mean? When we talk about kind of alt rock bands and grunge bands and that kind of stuff, we, we're, t- we're talking about Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all this kind of stuff. But Husker Dio were on the, the shelf underneath that, which is almost unfair, you know? Um, yeah. Bob Bolt was always gay, but kind of kept it as a open secret to a degree. Like the band knew, everybody associated it associated with the band new as well but he, he just didn't really want to make a big song and dance about it he knew that would overshadow the band's music and they were yeah. they were making moves they started off as kind of a standard kind of punky hardcore band that was kind of the deal they formed in 1979 it started off as a kind of a standard enough hardcore punk band, but in interviews they said that the main reason that they wanted they were doing this type of music was to fit as many songs into a set as possible. So it, it, we might be able to fit thirty songs in if we make them, if we do this kind of hardcore and punk style kind of minute and a half songs, just to show how diverse of songwriters we are. But yeah. they, as they, as they kind of put more stuff out, they decided to get more and more melodic, and that's where your, your kind of influence comes from then, into the alt-rock scene. Um, so they lasted from 79 to 88, basically, and then, and then kind of knocked it on the head. The boat went their own way. Mm. Two main guys in the band went their own way. Uh, Bob Moe went on to, ended up moving to New York City and start getting start embracing kind of gay culture and gay life in New York City, start going to clubs, start getting interested in electronic music and that influenced then his solo albums. He started kind of DJing on the side and putting out electronic albums and then his own solo stuff, which generally a lot of it was kind of um, acoustic stuff, start messing around with... It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's yeah, so it's, good. A lot of it's just fantastic. He started messing around with electronic stuff and kind of came up with a couple of monikers for himself to put out electronic music and shit like that. Uh, he was kind of outed by Spin Magazine accidentally on purpose they asked him about that and instead of kind of dodging the question he just said fuck it yeah i'm gay and that was from that point on he was like fuck i'm just gonna live this life now and so he's come out as a bear he's been in he was even in a movie called bear nation 
which I think is uh, like a, a, a proper film film about the gay sub uh, the, the bear subculture, and yeah. um, which is something I have first hand experience with as I hosted a lot of bear fucking nights club nights before, which were uh, interesting to say the least. Um, as as mm. a straight man stuck in the middle of just a tidal wave of fucking mayhem around me, yeah, the only thing I, I always say whenever anybody asks me about it is that every single person that was there was fucking lovely. There was no hassle. The place was well looked after. Like the the place wasn't destroyed. If I had to put on a bog standard similar night, just doing whatever house music and shit like that, for uh, uh, with doors open to all sorts, then the place would have been fucking destroyed. We done a bare night a month for like a year and every single time the crowd showed up on time left on time and went out grief and didn't wreck the place they, they were wonderful nights to be a part of so you p- fair play to you Bob you picked the right ones you backed the right fucking team there <laughs> they, they they used to at the end of the night they grabbed sweeping brushes and mops and start cleaning up after themselves like it was fucking yeah. outrageous i never seen anything like it before um, but Bob Mould, as I said, is they, the bear nights in, in town from everyone, like every, a lot of clubs <laughs> I've have had them in, and they'd go. The only thing I wish they would do is do more nights. Exactly, <laughs> just exactly. I just wish nights. it was one a week. Yeah, exactly. It's just craziness, <laughs> fucking craziness. That how mm. how well run and uh, respectful the crowd were. It has to be said. Um, like uh, like crusty punks, except the total opposite. Yeah, exactly. The complete and our opposite. I had a tin of beans thrown at me by a crust punk once. A full tin of beans. That like, was his weekly dinner. Pulled and the Elvis bag and threw it at me. His family are minted. Threw it at me. The only thing the bears ever threw at me was two euro coins to take my top off. Um, but I'm not hairy enough for them. I'm not hairy enough for them. There was one lad walking there. Anyway, you, t- you, you fucking right. You don't, I did it. I, you don't need to have two euro to take your top off. Thrown at you. There was another lad there, Stephen, who was like double my size and hairy and the money he went home with. In tips it was just outrageous. <laughs> Good lad, outrageous. He was selling fucking wares and all for a fiver. He'd go out and wear the face out for a fiver. He was a mad cunt. And uh, he was like, That's me taxi fare for the week now, sorted. That's the way he looked at it. I was like, Fair play to you. And the lads, lads knew to be clapping them on and all. The nights were fucking fantastic. But Bob Mould, <laughs> let's go back to Bob. Yeah, uh, Bob ended up, uh, we talked about this before. Bob ended up as a writer for WWF for years. Um, yeah, a lot of your yeah. favorite, your favorite storylines in WWF history during the Attitude Era and afterwards. Uh, had Bob Mould involved and he was part of the writing team for WWF Um, hugely influential person hugely influential band Um, and the fact that he's gay is as we talked about with the placebo thing it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter with any of them but it was never the focal point it was never made part of the story of Husker Du Um, Husker Du decided that they were going to make heavy guitar music with melody and uh, influenced hundreds of bands the reason it could be notable is it, it might have been harder in some ways. That's the only reason. It almost it. certainly was. Like, no, but notable. Everyone in that band seemed to be a bit fucking like, the, not necessarily egotistical, but definitely had their own idea about where the band should go. You know what I mean? Uh, and exactly. So the, the, there's always a power struggle. And because of that, it meant that only the best of the best of stuff was put yeah. on um was put, we, we talked about Husker Dio a couple of weeks ago on, on, on uh, I think, a covers cover show talking about Diane by Therapy is originally a Husker Dio song and stuff like that. Yeah. It, just hugely influential band. Um, that if, uh, if Pixies, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Placebo, if all those type of bands are your bag and you don't know Husker Dio, now you have a new band 
to uh, to dig into. You have to, you have like eleven years, uh, sorry, nine years worth of fucking music there to dig around with, and then all the kind of side projects afterwards. He had a he had another band called Sugar, I believe. Afterwards, yeah. that ran in the nineties, that were decent as well. Yeah, not bad as well. Yeah. yeah, some good stuff in there, and he's played with fucking. He's he's guested on a bajillion albums. A bajillion albums. He's played with Foo Fighters and you name it. He's 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 been there for them. Anyway, that was a uh, Husker Dew, Bob Mould and Husker Dew. Who's your next one? My next one is Anthony and the Johnsons with mm. the song "Man Is the Baby." I played this on the radio show, and a lot of people really really liked it. Oh, I liked um, it. I remember this. Anthony and the Johnsons are an American group fronted by singer Anoni, and she was born in England and moved to the states at an early age, but still grew up listening to English pop. Mm. that she had to like order from England uh, just just to have it you know what I mean because yeah. she said she's the only person listening to this music stuff like Soft Cell Kate Bush and Alison yeah. Moye you can definitely hear the mm. Alison Moye mm. influence absolutely in her voice Anthony Johnson's second album I Am Aboard Now is I got into this album 12 years too late mm. I think I, I didn't realise anything about this till years ago and I heard an old video of her performing on Jules Holland I think it was mm. and I was like I've never heard anything like this well I have but just something about I haven't heard it in years at mm. least say that uh, then what I noticed was the quality of the songwriting was you know when you're just like ah, this is not mm. this is not just a good song there's no way this band and I don't, wouldn't even know if it's a band now I don't even know if they're still going because it's mm. And only has her own albums and her own career now. But I always just was like, I need to hear more. There's no way this is a once-off just because yeah. the certain songs you hear and you go, there's no way this, this is a once-off. You can hear big bangers that are once-off. Yeah, yeah. So I can't remember the name of the song. It's off this album. It was on uh, the Jill Holland thing. And it was an absolutely beautiful performance. Um, that album has Lou Reed, Boy George, Rufus Wainwright, and Devander Banhard on it as well. Mm. I really, really urge people to give I'm Aboard Now a listen. Um, in 2016, she became the second, only the second openly transgender person to be nominated for an Academy Award. Mm. Um, it's really hard to pick a part of this song without playing the whole lot of it because, like I always say this, my favorite songs are those ones that build and build and build. So there's a beautiful intro to the song. Mm. Um, and before it hits its full pelt, it goes into this beautiful orchestral kind of piece and then back out again. I couldn't figure out what bit pick so we'll just pick this bit okay okay <laughs> yeah losing it comes in a cold wave guilt and shame all over me child has arrived in the darkness the hollow triumph of a tree from the other week it's a great song there's just no way to talk about like how good it is without listening to the rest of that song and yeah, also yeah. you need to start you need to start of it as well so it's on the playlist now anyway yes um, you can all go listen to this and and just after that click on the link to the album as well and give it a go mm. um 
the music is really 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 powerful mm. and i wanted to use this as an opportunity to introduce people to this album if they hadn't heard it the rest of the journey is like you said with husker do up to you to go through yep. all that stuff absolutely um that's Anthony and the Johnsons, Man is the Baby. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is Otep. Uh, Otep. Otep, the band Otep, who uh, is fronted by a singer called Otep Shamaya, who uh, Otep formed in 2000 California. There's somewhere between kind of new metal and black metal, dark metal, I don't know what you want to call it. There's elements of industrial mm. stuff in there. I remember hearing this album when it first came out. The album was called Sevas Tra. And uh, female fronted kind of metal and it's like people talk about ginger and stuff like that and Jesus hearing a you know a woman singing like that like Otep are doing this 21 fucking years ago um yeah when I heard this album it's it's I own this album somewhere I mean it's fucking new metal era heavy heavy stuff do you know what I mean it's got yeah elements of that kind of spine shank in there you know where it's got electronic stuff in the top of the, the kind of metal uh it was recorded, I think, at home for next to nothing. Probably on Cakewalk or something that was given away free on the front of PC Live. Love Cakewalk. Exactly, yeah. Um, Cakewalk Light, which was free. You turn around and you trip over six copies of Cakewalk Light for free. Um, it, it sounds good for something that was recorded at home. Um, she's been like an out lesbian since day one. Never hit it. Uh, she's vegan. She's an animal rights activist. The whole shebang. Um She's given multiple interviews saying, like, what's the point of me pretending that, like, I'm going to be, you know, a sex symbol for men? Like, uh, like I'm not not here for them. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm 100% me. I'm never going to pretend I'm anything else. I've been gay my entire life. I never, I didn't come out of the closet. I've been gay since I was fucking born. And my whole family know it. Everybody I know knows it. I'm unapologetically gay. And... That added, added, like, this, not necessarily mystique, but it added something spicy to the fact that, like, in the new metal days, when every, when the bands were bringing out fucking outrageous bangers, and that's, let's not lie, loads of new metal was fucking outrageously good. It just didn't necessarily age particularly well. And the fact that, like, you had this female-fronted metal band where she's doing, like, guttural fucking growls and shit like that, and it turns out then she's gay on top of that, and it was recorded in her fucking front room like there's a lot of moving parts to this band now as the band get older like as they move on and put out more and more records it's not really for me it goes a little bit too electronic maybe a little bit too industrial um and not necessarily good industrial in some places then they released another album where they decided she decided she wanted to make an album for the fans because the first album was obviously the big album you know what I mean? Um, Seva's yeah. Trab was like the big album. And she kind of went off on this self-exploratory kind of mission to see, you know, do I like this music? I'll make an album of this music. Do I like this? I'll make an album of this. And she, kinda, it got kind of old to the fans who wanted to hear more of the first album. So they start banging those back out again. And they got a little bit more steam off the back of it. I'm going to play a little bit of it now for, nobody, for, for people maybe who sure. uh, lost their minds when they heard Ginger. Yeah, I... I never, I, oh, to one of those bands that I always heard, when someone would ask for them, I'd go, Opet, and they're like, no, yeah. Otep. The guy is from, like, oh, strange enough, the guy is from Opet. Uh, there's an article online, I, th- I decided not to read it, because it looked kind of cunty, I, re- I read a couple of, um, there was a couple of snippets from it, and they were giving out, um, Colin Hor all sorts of fucking horrible names. Uh, right. And I was like, alright, we're not going to read that. But she, do, she doesn't have the best name. Oh, no. In, in, 
in the industry. No, but then again, like just people who have toured her are going it's very, very difficult person. Of course, yeah. She, but I don't she, know how true that is, and I don't really care. It's none of my business. She comes across very strong in interviews. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Very strong-willed. Um, but when no, I read that, willed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, um, like, but when I read that article, there, were, there was a couple of slurs in there that I didn't particularly like. The, oh, uh, really? Yeah, I didn't particularly like the the, the phrase of them. Uh, this is Outtep. Anyway, have a listen to this. So new metal. Like. She, she sounds really like Fred Dorsten a bit. Like. <laughs> she does have voice yeah. break. Yeah. Have voice yeah. break. But uh, that, that heft is something, something serious. A serious. The, the bass tone is fucking beautiful. That sans amp um, uh, in the middle of, of the fucking, like a deoid bass with a sans amp on it just sounds the most wonderful bass tone in the history mm. of bass. It's, it's, it's so gorgeous. Guitars sound lovely. Um, she recorded all those vocals on a uh, Shure 58 Beta, like a five or more expensive than a bog standard 58, like just yeah. in a front round. Uh, outrageous what can be done if you're willing to take the time and learn how to fucking do it. I'm sure it was mastered maybe a mix somewhere else, but all those tones are recorded. You know, at yeah. home, um, but yeah, she 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 gets a bit trolly sometimes on the internet, and uh, yeah, yeah, I hear more about, I hear less Otep the band and more stories about Otep. With yeah, very she, outspoken. She she kind of went on a mad one when when loads of kind of musicians start putting their pronouns up on Twitter and stuff like that. And she she kind of congratulating them, but she'd always make sure to pat herself on the back for doing it forever. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I, I mean? do find it weird when people put their pronouns up when their pronouns have never been in question. I find that a bit weird. Yeah, it obviously became a a movement and a lot of people saw it as kind of an alloy thing as well. So, like, well, if if you put up online, I'll never have to ask. But like, if yeah, what I'm talking about, like, if I never put it forward that you might need to ask, then you probably don't need to ask. Do you know what I mean? That's the I way. Just I just find it weird. Some people, some like, if I ever see a guy with him, he, and, a, and I'm like. Because that can be used for trolling people. One hundred percent. It can 100%. be used as a, you know, the same people that go, "Did you just assume my gender and yeah. triggered?" Yeah. It's to me when, when, when to me people that put up, uh, <coughs> he, him, and she, her, when it's never remotely questioned, and they have don't have a track record of being remotely helpful <coughs> to gay yeah. people or trans people. Then I start thinking that's a little dig. Uh, I could be wrong. Some of it might be. I think a lot of people just think they're being helpful by normalising it. 
And uh, yeah, I, yeah, true. I just I'm skeptical of some people as well. There's definitely people. people who are like fucking stick that in your bow hole. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely yeah. an element to that. But she she put one out in like she put a tweet up fucking years ago, and I was tr- I was trying to hunt it down. I was trying to follow up on it, and I, to be honest, I'm not gonna lie to you, gang. I ran out of time. She put up a tweet where <laughs> she said she was getting married. She'd found the girl of her dreams. She's gonna get married, but because of the state that she lived in, the only way that she could get married was to have gender reassignment surgery. And she she played it out real straight, yeah. real straight that she was going to transition, and um, so she could marry the girl of her dreams. And she was saying, like, I'm going to transition, I'm going to do the, the full surgery, the whole shebang. And, like, loads of people were, like, fucking, well, you know, congratulations, you know, fucking bigging her up, you know. But I, I couldn't find anything about it afterwards. There wasn't a peep about it. So I assume it never happened. Maybe it was just to show how hard it can be in that state. Some people do stuff like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Um That's I, mad, I, though. The, the main story of that is how fucked up that state is. Anyway. Yeah, either that or she was... Just more trolling. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell with her. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It's hard to tell. Um, It's fiercely difficult sometimes. Like, it could have been, yeah, to highlight the fact that, like, she can't get married without, like, being legally yeah, identified yeah. as a man. Maybe or, playing that out just for, for like... For shits and giggles, for, you know? Look, some people, some people do use the internet for attention, and some people... Absolutely. Just, some people, just, it just follows them around regardless. Yeah, she, she, she's just interesting. Any, anyway, I just want to talk about Otep as I said, like that. If you like that early two thousands kind of new metal yeah. style, especially like because female front, female female fronted new metal bands, uh, while they were there, uh, kind of took a, a, a backseat to like your your fucking Limp Biscuits and your Slipknots and yeah. your, your stuff like that as well. So you want to hear something a little bit different, especially coming from the kind of LGBTQ plus kind of community. Otep sitting there. Especially that first album, before it all turned to shit. And uh, it's super riffy. Um, they're not necessarily good riffs, they're bog standard. What I call a crawler riff or a spider riff, you know? 543, 543, type of fucking. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of bog standard, but it works. And she wanted, she, she didn't just stay in that pit, she elaborated on it a little bit more anyway. Anyway, that was Otep, uh, Blood Pigs was the song yeah. of Sevis Tra. Who was your next one? Well, speaking of people that controversy seems to follow, I picked Demi Lovato, mm. song Cool for the Summer, because just to let people know, we'll be playing Cool for the Summer later because it's an amazing song. Uh, Demi Lovato's been in the news a lot over the past few years. Mm. They're a grown-up Disney kid, and yeah. as with all Disney kids... They seem to have not come out of that scene unscathed. Mm. Now, this isn't a dig at Disney, but it just seems that a lot of Disney kids had trouble after yeah. Disney. So, whether it's the management, handlers, or parents not protecting people, I don't know. That's not necessarily the case with Dem- Demi, maybe. I don't know. Mm. We've talked about that a lot. We've talked about like the pressures of childhood and working that young. But Demi has done a lot in their 28 years i've always have had a soft spot for them mm. mainly because of this song to be honest with you mm. it's been a 10 out of 10 banger um i had to cut this song from our 25 years of pop playlist and it annoyed me because i really wanted to put it on it but we were doing mm. six songs back then six songs each back then and i still couldn't get it on because nick acosta's like a feather had to go in there so i'm glad to get this song onto uh, this playlist on may the 19th 2021 Demi Lovato came out as non-binary via Twitter mm. and announced their decision to officially change their pronouns to they and them. This is met with like 
a lot of support, but just as it was met with support, it was also met with a lot of people rolling their eyes. Because in the past, Demi has been in the news for their struggles with yeah. bipolar disorder, bulimia, anorexia, self-harm, and heroin use and overdose. Wow. Which, yeah, shocked everyone at the time, I think. Um, here's the issue with things like this, right? Like Sinead O'Connor, the media always shines a light on artists when something changes Absolutely. or they say something. And then those people get accused of attention seeking. Mm. Well, you don't, people like this don't have to attention seek. It seeks them out. I don't yeah. know why people still don't get this. I really wanted to talk about this. It's really annoying the shit out of me. Like, people get annoyed with extra.ie posting up like Demi Lovato come out as non-binary. Now, ex, pure devil's advocate shit here from, from sites like extra.ie. People don't have Demi Lovato on Facebook, but they have extra.ie and then they get annoyed that Demi Lovato or Sinead O'Connor has come into their life <laughs> yeah. look, looking for attention. Via this third party. It, yeah. It, exactly. It was, and this, this third party will not post an opinion on it. That What they do is, they'll be like, Demi Lovato is non-binary, Sinead O'Connor is moving to Islam. Uh, no opinion on it whatsoever. Yeah. And they get to set the fuse, eat the popcorn, and then, yeah. and then step back and bathe in all the shares and Absolutely, likes yeah. and from the follow. And people feel attacked that their Facebook has been infiltrated by uh, people looking for attention. It, it, it's been infiltrated by the stupid pages that you follow. Exactly. Stop following them if you don't like it's them. A weird, it's a weird form of self-harm in itself, I yeah. think. Love, uh, hate... There's a term for it. When you seek out a hate on something mm. to, to get that, to flex that emotion. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, right? Mental health is now a hashtag for most people because it's not a set of rules like it should be. Yeah. Like it's, we talk about this all the time. Rules that should include maybe not shitting on someone when they're having a hard time exactly. or, you know, change your mind about something. Mm. Uh, do something or change your mind. Um, or say something like outlandish and it's different on every site because it's like a kind of new version of pass it on. Yeah. Where information isn't, isn't uh, translated from an interview and stuff like that. I just wanted to, it annoys me when Devin Nevado's some way, like their struggle is a little bit like Sinead O'Connor's and stuff like that. Anytime something bad happens, it's seen as some sort of attention seeking thing. Yeah. These are really serious, really serious issues. Oh, 100%. Yeah. People don't self harm out in public. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. This wasn't... Whatever. Look, I want to talk about this for ages. I want to talk about how great Demi Lovato is. Mostly this song, though. Like, Jesus Christ. This song is so good. I want to play the whole three minutes and 35 seconds of it. We can't. So, <laughs> just play the bit that I've chosen, because... Banger. Take me down into your paradise 
little banger. Absolute little banger. I wish Demi Lovato all the best, genuinely. Nothing against him at all. Uh, I should listen to more music, but like with pop music, it's some songs written by some people, some written by others. Yeah. Whoever wrote this, banger. Um, who's your next? That's for them. Yeah, that's for them. Uh, my next one is... It's Gal from... I don't know how you pronounce it. Is it Gorgoroth or Gorgoroth? Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it. Gorgoroth. Uh, who are a Norwegian black metal band founded in 1992. Uh, he's the former singer. Uh, he's been involved in a bunch of other stuff. He was in Treldom. He had uh, Galskag. Uh, he had another band called Godseed. He was uh, on the first Wars Runa album uh, as one of the singers. He's just heavily involved in the Norwegian black metal scene. And it, it seems to be a bit of a scumbag and right. keeps going to jail all the time for really? assaulting people yeah keeps going to jail all the time uh, I think the second or third time he was put in jail it's because someone knocked on his door uh, as is want to happen in, in, in the Norwegian death metal scene and tried to assault him or hit him with a sword or something like that and he brought your, <laughs> man, your man in it sounds it sounds so outlandish, but I would believe it. Just as, keeps as, happening. As, as, as happens in the sea. Try to hit him with a sword. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I imagine that. Uh, someone went at him. He, brought, he knocked the bollocks out and brought him into his gaff, tied him up, and uh, started cutting his own arms and bleeding into cups and feeding your man his blood. He, he had tied up in his living room. Nice. So there's a, there's a bunch of that kind of shit. I, I, he, was arrested, uh, he was arrested in Poland for like sacrilegious shite as well where they had like a mock crucifixion on stage and like that, that that's that that's though. fine yeah that. that's fine he's it's like <laughs> he's very much anti-catholic anti-church big fan of burning down churches as always telling people you know if you're born on Saturday night go out and burn down a church that kind of shit um, big into that doesn't really consider himself a satanist um, considers himself a god as opposed to worshipping anything else which apparently is like a new movement in the in the black metal scene look. Ah, sure, look. Ah, sure, look. You love to see it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be giving me that sign. Exactly. Um, so he joined the band in 1998, and he was with them for about four albums. The first album he was on, he was only on one song, um, and then he kind of took over main vocals for, for, for the rest of them for a while. Um, just an interesting dude. In 2008, he came out, well, he confirmed that he was gay. The rumour had been doing the rounds for years because he had a bunch of friends in the Norwegian fashion industry and it turns out he, he'd been having a relationship with like a, a, a modelling agent, um, right. a Norwegian modelling agent for years and people are like, why the fuck is Gal who like is in this band who have like decapitated sheep's heads that like fuck it they throw brains and blood on people why the fuck is he going to all these like fashion shows and like why is he always getting photographed with this like this uh, model agent and shit like that you know and he just came out came out in 2009 and said I'm gay like get over it like I can't I can't be hated anymore in the fucking death metal scene than I am already in the black metal scene like so mm. well, why the fuck not he's I'm not going to pretend that I'm something he's else also, he's also very very not the first person to be gay in the no he's in 100% one hundred percent. He's he's open about it, which is a yeah, new thing for them. Apparently, exactly straight up. Then he he found a bunch of other bands. He had Godseed, um, 
which was a band with a bunch of other lads that they recorded an album then he left the band before the album came out and then about five years later he was like come on we do that band again and then they released the album and started touring it interesting dude it's just it's 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 one of those scenes that you 100% I, I don't associate with any sort of fucking LGBTQ plus kind of activity the black metal scene I'm sure they don't I'm, I'm sure. sure they don't as well um, which is interesting because like if modern society's kind of morals or classical morals are based upon the Catholic Church, do you think that they would very much be the complete and utter opposite? You know what I mean? It would be fucking whatever goes. But it yeah. doesn't, they still seem to hold on to those kind of classic yeah. moral taboos, which is fucking, which is insane if they're going around born in churches. It just doesn't, doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense. You know what I mean? Um, you would think that they would be an ally. Definitely, 100%. 100%. 100%. Like, if the whole concept of Satanism is fucking deal what they will, you know what I mean? Like, fucking, as long as you're not hurting anybody, deal what you want. Those Norwegian kids, man, there's something wrong with them. That's it, 100% something wrong. It's a magnet for fucking, like, mental, mental fucking distress. Like. Just mad into stabbing each other and being loners and loads of suicides loads of suicides loads of fucking killing lads and putting pictures of them dead on the album covers like fucking <laughs> you know what I mean uh, fucking photocopying something 17 times they can't make out what it is uh, uh, that's just that's just the drums <laughs> exactly like, like it can't even it can't even make music that sounds too good or else they're seen as, sh- as like showing off yeah like yeah. it has to sound shy it has to sound shy <laughs> Like, and there's no two ways about it. You can't, there's no, no one could ever make the, 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 the argument to me that like, oh, like it sounds better like that. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter because every album sounds like a five deep bootleg. Yeah, exactly. A five, a five copied deep bootleg. That was recorded speaker to mic in a fucking tool shed. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, I'm going to play some Gorgoroth here for people who may have never heard Gorgoroth. This song is called Radix Malorum of the uh, Instinctus Bestialis album. I can't even, like, it's not even in their own language. They put everything in fucking Latin. I'm gonna come out with that one early, and the reason I'm, the reason I'm coming out with that one early is that I did not confirm whether that's Gal singing. Don't know. I didn't have time. Under no. pressure this week, gang. Um, Look, he he will sound like that. It'll sound not a million miles off that, and that's one yeah. of the better sounding black metal records you'll hear. Like that's top shelf. Black metal. Well, look, that, that's the band he was in. So enjoy. exactly, there you go. Um, so yeah, that was Gal who was killing lamb. And is a scumbag who, who, well, maybe not. It depends on whether, like, did that person, like, proper want to kill him? He's like, I'll teach you a lesson. I'll drink my blood, you prick. That's a mad lesson, but yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Like, it's a weird lesson. Could you not just take the sword off him? I don't know whether there was, yeah. there was a sword involved. I'm not I'm lying. But, like, could you not just, like, no, thanks. I don't want to batter him today. Uh, fuck up and burn down a church, leave me out of it, or whatever. Instead of bringing a man in, tying him up. And again, this is not the first time he's done, been done for assault. He's been done a bunch of times 
for uh, for Rowan. So uh, in, interesting, yeah. interesting dude. Uh, who's your last one? My last one is Bradford Cox from Deer Hunter. Uh, his solo record um, or solo, uh, sorry, project Atlas Sound, um, and the song is called Sheila. So this is a weird one to put in. So Cox is asexual mm. or has stated that he's asexual um, and it was well up until the time of the interview uh, a few years ago still a virgin oh. and um, attributes some of it to his genetic disorder called Marfan syndrome which I have to then go and Google mm. and then looked at the album cover and I recognised that one of my mates that went to school had this so it's as you grow older you become very, very kind of long and skinny and your body kind of changes uh, shapes like that. So as a young person having that and being asexual, he always identified with the character Edward Scissorhands, which actually kind of makes yeah. sense if you think about it. Like, mm. um, I don't think Bradford, Co- I swear to God, right? Deer Hunter are unbelievable. Like they really, really are yeah. one of those like lauded for all the right reasons bands. And he says that like, Growing up with all that kind of pain and sort of losing so many friends over looking different that that's the reason that the music came out like that. Mm. So we kind of like we're kind of lucky to get we're, we're very lucky to get certain music out of other people's mm. sheer misery and and that's just, that's just one of those things in Deer Hunter. The thing about I wanted to bring up was the uh, the controversy surrounding the addition to the A in LGBTQA and. We don't really have a stance on this, or we shouldn't really have a stance on whether what we think. I just find it interesting to talk about. Uh, so the A being an ally, me and you about an agreement—that's bullshit. Yeah. Sorry, we we are allowed to say that because we are people who consider ourselves allies or whatever like that. Yeah. Like as as corny as that is now sounding, it's just it is what it is. It's no other way to say it. supporters. Maybe uh, we're not in the group. We're just not. Yeah. But A could also stand for asexual or ace. And I've been reading a lot lately, a lot of people in the LGBTQ sorry, community are not feeling it at all about the, the asexual thing. Some people are saying, a lot of people mm. said, sorry, it's just they don't have a place in this because um, asexual is not feeling a sexual attraction or, or maybe not being attracted to anyone sexually mm. at all and or just not having it's not it's not quite the same as celibacy mm. or there's another thing as well called i think it's called hypersexual or no something like that something similar to that where you where where your your lack of sexual feelings are actually a clinical thing ah. they figured it was because of something else okay but this is just people like supposedly marcy is asexual <coughs> he has feelings yeah. Of of which way he probably would, but it doesn't want to do sex stuff. Yeah, yeah, he says that in his book. Yeah, so it's an interesting one because people don't think that they should be added into this because their sufferings are nowhere near the sufferings of people who have sexualities yeah. that are condemned. Yes, and I don't know how I feel about any of this. It doesn't really matter how I feel, but mm. I just thought I would offer up a quick kind of thing that me and you will probably have something in common with seeing people. Let's just put. Let's just take a, a smaller version of this someone in a bar that doesn't drink mm. their life is made fucking awful yes. by people just awful yeah like it becomes a conversation that they have to have exactly every fucking time yeah. do you know, no i don't drink what what and, and then they have we to in a this, pub 
and then they have to do this thing again. Yeah. What are you gonna pull? What are you doing this? Yeah. And then there's this like uh, mock, there's mocking straight away, oh, yeah, massive instant. mocking straight away. And there's also a, a kind of deeper thing of like a, a distrust of people. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. Don't do that. So I don't know, man. Like it's not up to me to say who goes into any category, but I will say that mm. imagine that trying to have that conversation with people. Yeah. I just I don't have All sex the time. Just you'd be you'd get that same level of distrust. Uh and there's been horrible stories of people who have gone through horrible things when yeah. they've told people they were asexual and someone decided to take it upon themselves to test that boundary and stuff like that. You know mm. what I mean? So there is a lot of violence towards that as well. I don't know. This has gone completely off the topic. This has gone into <laughs> into um just let's listen to Sheila by Atlas Sounds because it's deadly. sound yeah it's really good that's just a solo project mm. of um uh sorry bradford cox from uh deer hunter i didn't want to pick a deer hunter song just wanted to pick up something that maybe yeah, this yeah. was him on his own and this is a much more uh sort of introspective yeah. lyrically uh project um yeah i just thought it was interesting to talk about that asexual thing quickly like Definitely. i said don't really have don't really have an opinion on it nothing to do with me uh, really, realistically, but uh, Hands up, I, will, I will sympathize with people who, who are asexual mm. uh, and not much, probably much worse, but similar to people that don't drink just with that. What? That, that, having to hear that. What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to sympathize with people like that. Um, anyway, that was our music of the rainbow. It was Part volume two. two yeah. Um, that's it till next week. I hope everyone is having a good pride. Thankfully, the pubs opened up enough for people to have a decent pride, I'd say. I saw a lot of my mates having just a much more muted one, obviously, because yeah. it has to be. But to be able to go out and celebrate, to do something, yeah. is, is a massive uh, improvement, obviously, on last year's one. I saw, um, I saw, and I hate saying it, uh, Panty Bar's thing looked incredible, and then mm. some absolute scum dirt. Uh, someone wrote, spray painted on the walls, yeah. Spray painted Seeing an that. arrow saying they pedo put, bar on the thing. Yeah, I they hope put they, great work into their outside thing. Um, yeah, and it looks fantastic. But the main fantastic. thing, they don't give a fuck. No, they don't. They're fucking. I mean, it's hurtful and all that, but they're strong as fuck. Like, oh, that bar is that bar is fantastic. Like that's, you know what? It's bulletproof. Like, like just, I've been in the bar a few times. It's mm. such a well-run bar. The cocktails are killer as well. Um, so I hope, yeah, like I said, I hope everyone's having a deadly pride and listen to our little LGBTQ playlist. It's it's very wired. 
Um, it is. It, it's very wide, but that's what you want. Uh, we are back next Monday with another fresh one. If you want to support us, you go to patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast. That's a subscription based service for five quid a month. Get you access to loads of exclusive podcasts and videos and all sorts of malarkey. It's got every single live broadcast that we've done during the lockdown. Um, like 15 months worth of stuff seriously incriminating (laughs) oh for real Uh, stuff that we'll never we'll never be able to put like on YouTube or anything like that Um, so it's all hidden behind that little paywall full songs as well lovely little DJ songs exactly like like four or five hour me and Helmet locked out of our minds talking absolute shite and playing bangers um, for 15 months every single Saturday like it's just a crazy amount of content up there. it was yeah, yeah. and uh, if you don't want to do a subscription based service you just want to throw us a few quid you want to buy us a pint you want to buy us a coffee you want to buy us a fucking toasted cheese sandwich you can do so go to ko-fi.com forward slash lost our podcast all the links are in the text below you on your podcast app or on the Facebook page or wherever you get your podcasts and thank you very much we will talk to you again in a week's time see you later yes see ya